What do the Bill Barr hearing and the Julian Assange arrest have in common? It's deep, but we're going to dig into it. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6, always trying to cover the biggest stories of the week, but from my libertarian perspective, which puts me outside of the left-right thing, the Republican-Democrat thing, so I can usually pull back the curtain a little bit and see something that you're not hearing about in other outlets. And this week, I, I can't tell you how many requests for comment I got on Assange. So, uh, whose real name was Hawkins. Um, so let's let's break it down. There's a lot there. There's backstory, there's psyop, there's uh, dialectic. But first, I really... I think there are two issues when it comes to Julian Assange, who is the mastermind, founder, orchestrator of WikiLeaks. He was arrested in London this week in a really dramatic show where he was uh, he was forcibly removed from the Ecuadorian embassy in London by what looks to be seven burly guys. And I don't know if you've ever seen Julian Assange, but he's like... Six feet tall and 120 pounds. He's like a bird. He was actually uh, a Gene Harlow impersonating drag queen, if uh, if that's to be believed. There's a picture of it, and there used to be a lot of articles about it, but that's been pretty well scrubbed. But in any case, you get the idea. Not for sure seven burly British dudes needed to hustle that guy into the paddy wagon. They actually looked like they were they were afraid to break him. Which I think is a rational fear. So it seemed a bit histrionic, a little bit of a show. And uh, another weird thing about it was, so I, I, if I, I think what I read was that Switzerland said they would take him. So, but Ecuador wanted him out. And I was wondering why they didn't just smuggle him from the Ecuador embassy to the Swiss embassy or whatever. Like, how hard would it be to sneak around? Then I read that. The U.K. government has spent over the years, he was in that Ecuadorian embassy for seven years, they paid $13 million watching it to make sure he didn't get out. So why? You know, he's he went in the dock for the U.K. Uh, he faces a maximum of one year in jail because he failed to show up for a subpoena or whatever for to be extradited to Sweden on sex assault charges which no longer exist so i just wonder why london was watching him at taxpayer expense for 13 million pounds for something that was absolutely unimportant and the punishment for which he was imposing upon himself anyway so the whole story is very strange it's a very strange story his backstory is strange so so for me i have my suspicions as to whether his whole narrative that we are led to believe is what we're told it is. So the question is, is he uh, is he a big hero of the people or is he an enemy of the state? And I'm going to pull apart even that question. But there is a real question here about what are the limits of, let's call it free speech, or I actually think the question is, are there limits to government uh, transparency. 
So the real question isn't, is this guy allowed to express his political opinion? The real question is, how much privacy do we uh, do we allow the government as our agents in this united project for mutual self-defense? That's the only government I think we've all consented to. <laughs> uh, I think if we have consented at all, I'm not even saying I certainly am not consenting to this pathocracy, this sick government. And not I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about that we have a conflict of interest with them. They I believe that this transparency issue is about them wanting to hide information from the public, not because it's in our interest as a legitimate defense uh, function, but that it's in their interest either for what they call American interests abroad, which we have absolutely no right to defend. So it's you, you can't go to another country, ask them to dig an oil well, and then when you don't like their laws, bring in the U.S. military. You can't do that. You cannot. We are not permitted to defend the rights of Americans in a sovereign country who should be obeying the sovereign laws any more than we expect people to come to this country and abide by their home country's laws. So they're either trying to protect their the military industrial complex roving around the world, or they're trying to protect their own position here. So if you read the report from Iron Mountain, which I've referred to many times, they talk about the importance of of keeping the structure intact to keep the hierarchy intact, to protect their own interests. It's very clear it's an us versus them thing. And it seems to me the transparency question is about protecting them from us, not pr- protecting us all from some outside them. So is, so is Assange, is the real question freedom of speech or is the real question government transparency? And this is one of the places where I think Bill Barr's hearing folds into this bigger picture. He spent a lot of time in that hearing. We're going to play clips about it. And then it was rebutted by other people, Brennan, maybe Clapper or kind of pre-butted by Clapper, Comey, whatever, that these guys are kind of infighting in this fight to the death of instilling and ensuring integrity in law enforcement. They take different positions, but they're both they can't say enough about the FBI and it's it's true purpose. And we're just there are a lot of rules and it would be shocking, shocking if if any of those rules have been broken. So let's just uh, it's uh, investigations everywhere all the time because Dagnabbit, these are institutions that are absolutely should be above suspicion and they should be above suspicion, but they're not. And it's uh I can prove to you that they're in the habit of recording everything all the time. I've got a couple of clips that'll show you that. So so even the Assange thing, even the Assange story of of all the rules that are followed, the Ecuadorian embassy giving him asylum and the extradition and this and that, it's all by the book. It's all by the book. And that in itself, it makes it look like the rule of law is sacrosanct. But that in itself to me, is a tell because the real guys who are out there causing trouble in the in the way of hacking or using the dark web or whatever, they don't they don't make the news every day. They aren't falling on their swords. They aren't heroes. They aren't getting the PR. I mean, I'll rattle off a few names and you probably haven't heard of any of them. You probably heard of the first one, Aaron Schwartz. 
he hacked into, I believe, MIT and revealed some documents and then killed himself. That's the story. Maybe driven to suicide, maybe suicided. Uh, another guy, similar story, Jonathan James. He hacked into the Pentagon and he was either driven to suicide or committed suicide or was suicided or whatever. Uh, then in England, John Jones, a guy, a Wiki, a WikiLeaks lawyer, supposedly in a mental institution, ran out and got hit by a train. <laughs> Just got hit by a train. That's that. And uh, another guy, David Kelly. This is just stuff that popped up as I was investigating Assange. Really, literally yesterday. David Kelly was a uh, WMD specialist, a weapons specialist, investigating Iraq, uh, I believe, under the Blair government. And he supposedly committed suicide, but then they found that it was not suicide. And then one name that really troubles me. He's still alive. So maybe that's why it's still a haunting story whose name you probably never even heard of is Ross Ulbricht. He was the dark web guy, the new Silk Road guy. He uh, created a neutral platform. He's a hardcore libertarian. He wanted to kind of get outside the system. And he created a neutral platform on which it is alleged uh, drugs were trafficked and people died from drug overdoses. So he, because of that association, because he facilitated that through his neutral website, he got a double life sentence plus 40 years with no possibility of parole. And to to really put a punctuation mark on how you don't get away with this stuff if they don't want you to, the DEA agent and the Secret Service guy who were uh, investigating in, uh, his case both went to jail, I believe for six years each, for malfeasance in his case, for lying and cheating and not following the rules in his case. And that malfeasance, which would go to the heart of whether or not he was guilty of something that hurt people, was not permitted to be shown to the jury. So that you didn't even hear of this case. <laughs> this guy was the new Silk Road guy. He's in jail. You haven't even heard of it. Why not? And none of these, these stories feel like they were by the book. And those are guys, I think, who were moving the dial or could have moved the dial. But Assange is this big show, and we get to have same thing with Snowden. Let's have the discussion. Let's have the conversation. Well, the conversation is the dialectic. The conversation is right or wrong, there is a problem here. Whether you like this guy, whatever, what's the solution? And in the, in the case of Assange, I think that the problem that we're being shown is this, this, is he, well, here's the thing. There's two, I just twice saw, he did a 2010 TED Talk where the host said, okay, show of hands, show of hands. People's hero or dangerous troublemaker? And then I just, that was yesterday I saw that. And then I just saw on Fox right now on the cover of the the homepage of Fox News, Assange, innocent journalist or criminal hacker? So there's your dialectic. And what's the real question there the real question is okay we have a problem we need and this is exactly what what snowden said we need to balance freedom with security and what's the compromise well now that we know you know what churchill said uh, uh anyway now that we know you're a whore let's argue about the price so we're gonna just they they're gonna hash out a compromise but in my mind, the compromise is the Constitution. The Constitution was the compromise. We gave the government 
the power that we had fought so hard to take back. And in return, we got these rights and protections. The compromise has been made. Now we need to hold them to it. So that's what I think the Assange thing is all about. And I guess I already showed my hand, so maybe people don't want to call and tell me what they think. But let's assume he's the right. He is the right guy. It, let's talk about that balance. Is he the innocent journalist, or is he a criminal hacker? Is he the people's hero, or is he a dangerous troublemaker? What do you think of Julian Assange? Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man out! A man out! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We're talking about Julian Assange. Do you have mixed feelings? Do you think that he's clearly a hero, clearly a villain? I, I'm not... Even I have my opinions of him. But I think we actually have to talk about how he's treated and what the issue is because they're going to resolve the issue using him. So I can think he's a CIA operative, but it doesn't matter because the issue remains. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You tweeted me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Blaine. Blaine, you are on the air with Monica. Hi, Blaine. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, um, you know, I'd just like to give my two cents on Julian Assange. I think it's a really interesting topic, really. I mean, I definitely believe that the line needs to be drawn somewhere between hacking, but also you kind of have to tip your cap at what he's been able to expose. He's not giving away you know, military secrets. He is exposing you know, massive government corruption, in my eyes, people that, you know, we the people have entrusted massive trust into these people and like John Podesta and, and Hillary Clinton. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a follower. I don't know if you are, or even, even if you've heard of QAnon, but I believe QAnon and Julian Assange are, are connected in some way. And I believe this is really just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Um, if Julian Assange is, is really allowed to get out what I believe that he has the ability and what, what he really knows. And I think there's a reason why the UK has spent, 13 million pounds in surveilling, making sure he hasn't escaped. And there's a reason why uh, the Internet was shut down at one point at the Ecuadorian embassy to make sure his word didn't get out. I I believe that there's very important information that that he needs to get out on behalf of the American people. And if the governments and the world powers around the world are going to vilify him for that through the news media and propaganda machine, then fine, so be it. But I believe that there's important information that, that the people need to hear that he knows about. I, I would love if that were true, Blaine. I am not saying that it isn't. I don't have that much hope, but I would. If that were true, that would give me a lot of hope, even if he is brought down, that that the individual actor, the hero, the Batman can really make a difference. Let's address that a little bit more after the break. I don't want to get to some more calls. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. I We were talking about Julian Assange. I think Lee and I have been 
discussing, we have a podcast called The Propaganda Report, which you can find at thepropreport.com or on iTunes. Uh, but we were just discussing during the break, so I was a little distracted, that there was something we talked about in the podcast just this week that is absolutely spot on, in my opinion, for the function that I think Julian Assange um, does serve. But uh, I want to explain to you first a little bit what, what I'm talking about. I think, hold on. So Binkley is my producer here. Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> great. So I was distracted. People don't realize once we had like a hot mic on the break and people are like, wow, you just keep talking about what you were talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, that is true. But we get caught up. So I don't always care. So, so one of the things we were looking at here at the break is the CIA document. What was the CIA document? What's the name of it? The name of it is the research paper called The Deception Maxims, Fact and Folklore. It was published in 1980 by the CIA, by their deception research team. Okay. So this is the thing. Like, the CIA sounds like the Central Intelligence Agency, but I think their primary job is to run operations of deception. It's not It's not intelligence like intelligence gathering as much as it's disseminating these ideas. So one time I read on the air, like, I had a, many, many page slideshow of this mimetic warfare where they use memes to one of the things they did which horrified me was enhanced dysfunctional subcultures so that's great but uh so so when we were talking about it over the last week what i was thinking about why it was folding in is that i think assange serves two purposes i think he I mean, on the, I think that he, the purpose he's serving right now is to create this problem solution synthesis thing that is happening where they want to change policies and they need to make it seem like they're, the current policies are not working. So we have this problem. We want government transparency, but we also we want freedom, but we also want security. And we have to balance that by, uh, I don't know regulating the internet <laughs> so curating information by the government or a or an independent proxy whatever so but the things but aside from that which is what the here and now for sure but what was wikileaks to start out with uh i think it was a honeypot which does two things it it attracts people to it, people who might be whistleblowers, what they'll do is they'll attract people to keep them from going someplace that might reveal all the information. So the WikiLeaks document, if you try to give something to WikiLeaks, they require you to agree that they can keep it. They don't have to reveal it. They don't have to reveal it. So they find you, they get your stuff, they curate it, so they only put stuff out that they don't mind putting out, and so they neutralize you they get you to identify yourself and then they curate the information. So one of the things was they gave a $20,000 reward, offered it to anyone who had Seth Rich information. So Seth Rich was probably a big old psychological operation or, you know, false flag or whatever. Seth Rich was murdered and it probably wasn't what you see is what you get. Maybe he wasn't even murdered. I don't know. But people who know this stuff might want to whistleblow will go to Julian Assange and we, I don't, I never heard that he paid out that reward, but he might have. 
in which case he might have sat on the information or some of the information. It's just a way to get it out there, to get it away uh, from the public eye. But it's also a way to get you to believe things that he publishes, Assange, as if it was never meant to be published. If the government released something that said, this is what we think happens to Seth Rich, you would say, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't trust you. But if Assange releases it, you're going to say, oh, really? Wow. You know? So whatever the story they want, if Assange is controlled, that's how they do it. But I'll tell you, as far as the honeypot function, where they would attract whistleblowers to identify themselves and to curate their materials, that is a function that absolutely has got to exist. The CIA has to have that. There's no no way a security state of our size and importance doesn't have that function to flush out and trap people who would say stuff. That It must. And it must be something, an entity that is well-known enough that all whistleblowers will go to it, or many entities that, are, that whistleblowers have access to. And it has to have credibility. It has to really feel real to the whistleblowers, people going to jail or people getting protected or whatever. Like, it has to be controversial. It can't be no big deal. Although there is, but, but in reality, I think Cryptome, I think is the name of it, is a real whistleblower site, but it's not on the news every day. It's not being advertised by the mainstream every day. Whistleblowers might not even know that's the legit one. And WikiLeaks is probably the controlled one just because it's the one that's getting all the advertising. So there is this honeypot function. There is this curation function, flushing out function, suppressing information function. And I think there's also this giving credibility because the mainstream media, the government has so little credibility. This is how they do it. So this thing that we were looking at last week, it talks about that these that there are techniques, deliberate techniques by the CIA to get people to believe things. They they think about that. They do. And actually what Binkley did on the on the podcast was zip through like the ten subheadings of this document. I we don't have time to do that now. I suggest you go to our most recent podcast of the propaganda report. But you can give us a little bit of that and it was from nineteen eighty one, it was a CIA doc. What what does it say that that, that kind of uh, supports what, what I'm thinking is going on here? It says that – I believe this is called the monkey paw tactic. A common feature of the successful deception effort is that they were designed to co-opt skepticism by requiring some participation by the victim, either a physical effort in obtaining the evidence or an analytical effort in deducing it. Right. Okay. Now I remember when you were telling me about this, I thought about like Easter eggs. They mm-hmm. leave you Easter eggs to find. Mm. They can't just put it out there. Yes. They say that what you have to do is you send over – you leak information, factual information, introducing the facts to the victim so that they will deduce your intentions out of it. And you can't volunteer it. They have to work to get it. So it seems right. like it comes from within them. And then they say there's a delicate balance um, that has to be struck between the obviousness and the subtlety with the attendant twin twin risk that the message will be either misunderstood or dismissed as a plant. This is the art, the essence of um, deception. Wow, that's so that absolutely resonates with me like you would not believe on so many levels. I mean, I even teach my kids now I'm going to stop teaching this like you really I really find that my inquiry has come to an end. This is actually a terrible bit of advice i'm 
definitely not giving it anymore. But like for a long time, I would I would just really think about things, really think so hard, my head would hurt, and I'd be like, ah, oh, that must be it. And then when I would read like some philosopher or some expose that explained that exact thing, I was like, oh, see. I'm right. I mean, this guy says it, and I, you know, what, what's the likelihood it's it's out there? Like, I always think philosophy should should be taken in retirement, not in college, because by then you you've actually thought these things through, and you can recognize what makes sense, really understand what they're saying. I can't even understand the words on the page, or I couldn't when I was younger. But that can obviously be used against you to the point where. I'm absolutely certain I've seen it happen where you go back, they'll 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 tease that out, stuff out to you over a period of time. So like the Seth Rich thing, first they plant the story with the funny detail, he got robbed, but nothing was taken. And then it takes a couple of months to say, oh, he worked at the DNC. Oh, and then it takes a couple of months to say, mm, and, you know, he had he was seen leaving with a laptop. You know, like, I don't know if those are details of his story, but I'm just saying like over time, you're just, you alert to it. You alert to these little details and that helps them probably control how you make your conclusion, but it absolutely has to be. So it's funny because the internet has information that is simply not on the other broadcast media. It's not on the radio. It's not on television, except for maybe on this show. But they ha they talk about like QAnon, like you're not hearing about that too much on, you know, they, they're not citing QAnon on Fox News. As a matter of fact, when I heard Alex Jones talked about on Bill O'Reilly years ago, I was like, oh, Jones has jumped the shark like they're talking about him. And then, oh, that was right around the time that we talked about Hillary saying uh, people like Alex Jones, <laughs> you know, don't go to the website of Alex Jones. You know, and you're just like, oh, who is this Alex Jones? So they're not doing, you know, they do it a little bit for QAnon. But like I'm just saying that and then. But then they use that against you. They use that that noticing that against you, right? So that that then puts Alex Jones in the realm, assuming he's like serves a similar purpose. That puts him in the realm of like kind of low hanging fruit. So for the people who are a little more jaded, you've got to find somebody a little bit behind the scenes. You've got to find, uh, you know, and it, and what it does is it actually makes it impossible for you to recognize the true ones. Because, I mean, it's just too much noise. That was another thing in it, right, Binkley, that they said put noise out there? Yeah, another one of the maxims is that if there's facts that the target have, if they have facts, then what you do is you just flood them with information. You overwhelm them with noise so that the facts they have get buried beneath all the noise. Yeah, and Cass Sunstein in his fav famous cognitive dissonance essay talks about how to take legitimate websites and insert preposterous things that that will discredit the entire website. So they they obviously use a lot of techniques and this isn't a theory. This is true. This is what they're doing. This is how they do it. I don't want to lose uh, Maurice who's been on hold and I'm going to go to some other calls 404-872-0750-800 WSB talk. I do want to talk about the real issue is Assange a hero or a villain. I think that that's going to be the bottom of the but that's really where the rubber hits the road. That's where they're going to start talking about policy. But I want to hear what Maurice has to say. Hi, Maurice. Hey there. Um, I was going to put in a, another thought here. Um, if there really is a war against the deep state, um, maybe there's a division of uh, our different uh, surveillance uh, groups uh, and uh, to – follow up with that thought um 
It's my understanding that General Rogers went to Trump and informed him that he was being spied on. General Rogers being the head of the NSA. Um, Is that the admiral? I, Isn't the head of an, the NSA an admiral? Yeah, it's Admiral Rogers. Right. That's right. Uh, but at any rate, um, the point being is that Snowden is a CIA asset and has been all along and was released material to basically destroy uh, the surveillance system of the NSA. So it's a war between the two groups. Hold on, hold um, on, hold on. Hold yeah. On. I'm going to have you hold through the break, Maurice, because this, I got to, uh, I want to understand what you just said. Can you remember it and tell me again when I, yeah. after I come back? Sure. All right. Sure. Uh, 800-WSB-TALK, you tweeted me at Monica Perez Show. I am interested in this 3D chess uh, idea that there are competing factions. So I do see conspiracies behind every bush, but it doesn't mean there is only one conspiracy. <laughs> could, could be more than one. Anyway, I want to hear what Maurice has to say uh, right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. I'm not interested in fantasies. I'm interested in Reality. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back talking about, uh, I started out by talking about Julian Assange, but I'm absolutely dovetailing that with the Bill Barr hearings this week. We're going to get to that in the next hour. Um, I also, at the top of the hour, I want to talk to Bobby. He said, he asked the question, has anyone been killed as a result of Assange's leaks? I want to go back and forth about the importance of that question, but I want to do it in the long segment. Right now, I want to finish up with Maurice, who's been on, who was on before the break. Uh, Maurice, can you give me that again in a nutshell, what you were saying about um, Admiral Rogers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, as I was saying, he is reported to have been the one that clued uh, Trump in Trump Tower that he has been spied on there, uh, being the head of NSA. Point being, uh, uh, why I've prefaced it that way is that um, uh, from what I'm hearing, there's a war between the two uh, surveillance systems uh, and that Snowden was put out there. He's the CIA asset and he was uh, used by the CIA basically to destroy certain software aspects of uh, the NSA system. Uh, The CIA doesn't have legal rights to surveil the U.S., but I gather that the NSA does. And they don't have a blank check. The NSA has a blank check. The CIA has has to get their operations approved and funded. That's where the drug money comes in. And that's why I thought that the CIA was going to be under fire uh, or is going to be weakened when marijuana started to be legal because I believe marijuana is 70% of the drug trade by dollar before it started going legal. And I thought they must have some other way to pay for this now or... They're being phased out in competition with the CIA. That could very well be true. I think i got to take a break now. That's what the music means, Maurice. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry. All right. Thanks for hanging on. And um, and I want Bobby, don't you go away. Uh, this is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. 
This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Talking about the biggest stories of the week, but from my unique perspective as a libertarian and a a little bit of a deep thinker. And I don't mean that from a philosophical point of view. I mean, this is, uh, I call it deep history. I can't even use the dang expression deep state anymore because the right hijacked it as meaning the left. It's not. It's the people who killed JFK and covered it up. That's the deep state. It doesn't even have to be the people who killed him. Wait, it's- you're saying Obama did that? I know. <laughs> yes, and it, when he was four, he, uh, he covered that up. No, but um, but Obama's grandfather might have, right? I mean, <laughs> didn't didn't he welcome Obama Sr. to Hawaii and before the mother allegedly accidentally met him sitting next to her in class. That's There's a lot of deep. There, I'm not saying Obama isn't deep state, but the deep state is not Obama holdovers. But I want to talk about Assange and the two things. But I've got Bobby here on the line, who I know is in a hurry, so I want to get to him. But the the thing about Assange is: is he real? Is he is he the real deal, or is he a limited hangout, a CIA operative who does some things that are against the government's interests, but really ultimately serves a the government's purpose. That's one question. But then but the more important question is, do you like what he's doing? Do you want to protect people who do what he's doing? And I want to talk about that question. Eight hundred WSB talk. But first I want to go to Bobby and whatever Bobby yes, wants to talk about. Hey Bobby, you are on the air with Monica. I thought I, I thought I heard a news report some time back where some of our informants in Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, the people helping our CIA or even maybe some CIA agents have been killed because of the information that he's released. Is that true? Uh, is that not, do you, and if it is true, how can I pray? I've got some co-workers that think he's a hero, and I don't like the guy, but they all love him. And I think some of the talk show people I've heard, they seem to think he's a hero. So I'm just wondering. If he has in fact done damage to the, our security, and if he's caused if he's caused our people to get killed, how can I prove it to him? Or is it, or did he? Okay, so I, there's so much in what you're saying. I mean, you're getting to the whole package of what's going on here. One is, I don't, I don't know if he had if people. Can, I understand what you're saying, and I think the more if that were the Real question here. I think that we would have heard about it. It would have been advertised, and that's what would have brought him down when somebody gets killed. Like the guy I was talking about earlier, Ross Ulbricht, had nothing to do with killing anybody. But I believe he was brought down because it was alleged that his neutral web platform was used to traffic drugs, and somebody did those drugs and OD'd. And that guy got two life sentences and 40 years without chance of parole based on that remote connection to killing somebody. So... Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but if that were that would be the central issue. But it and and a guy, a real great a guy with the greatest truth star, one of the best truth star ever, nomadic everyman. He used to be American everyman until WordPress purged him and me and a bunch of other people at the same time. But he I wrote the first thing he wrote on WikiLeaks from I think it was like ten years ago. And he said, get ready. He's going to release something. Somebody's going to get killed. They're going to shut him down. Then they're going to shut us all down. And they certainly shut us all down. I'll give him that. And and what Nomadic Everyman was saying is spot on. That's normally how it works. But that that's not 
the terrible, terrible thing that Assange did that's going to turn the world against him. Do you know what the terrible, terrible thing that hits even closer to home, Bobby, that he did that makes the world really hate him? Not you, but the re- but the other half of the world. What's that? He got Trump elected. Well, right. That's that. <laughs> right. That's what he's being credited he with. He probably did. Yeah. 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 So that's what he's being credited with. And, and just having him let somebody get killed wouldn't be wouldn't hit home the way like Trump derangement syndrome or whatever really hits people in the heart. Tens of millions of people find that to be the defining crisis of their generation. Right. So yeah. so that's why I think he plays a role. And then. Uh, I want just there's one more thing that I, that you mentioned and I want to get into is that does he affect our national security? And I have this question for you. What what is what is our national security? What is it that he could have affected? Well, to me, if 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 if. If we have informants in places like Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, if, if they're if they're mingling in with the population and they're getting information about terrorist attacks, I mean, I couldn't go do it. I'm a I'm a I'm a no white guy. So if I if I'm over there, they're gonna kill me. But if they got their own people over there, if we're paying them or if they're helping us because they like us, they they believe in America, and they're they're discovered, then they and their families are gonna be killed. Now, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be trying to help somebody i thought yeah. i get my okay. family killed all right so, so here's here i want to take that one step further and say let's take syria or iraq let's let's take iraq yeah. iraq was where the war was were, were we right to invade iraq and take hussein out no i don't think so i, I think we should have gotten uh, uh osama the log because he's one to attack the united states to begin with i think he but and, and or maybe this uh, religious philosophy that these people believe in. I'm not sure, but at the time, it was it was a uh, it was the Taliban that did the initial attack. I don't think Saddam Hussein did. I think right. he probably was okay. happy to see it. I think he was happy about it. But I don't think he did. At least I don't think he did. But, so here's uh, the thing, though. Here's what I'm trying to get at: is that our government, for reasons other than what what your what you want them to do, which is to protect us at home for reasons right. other than that, they do things like invade Iraq. And then right. they use that, the damage, the danger, um, the security issues, the, the quote war as an excuse to say to us, we need to have, we can't have any government transparency. We can't even tell you why, because we have all these interests out there that we're protecting and we have people in harm's way and blah, blah, blah. At what point do you get to pull that back and say, you know, we shouldn't have people's in harm's people in harm's way in Iraq. We shouldn't have people in harm's way in Venezuela. But can I ask you this? Is it not important? I mean, you know, I, you know, the intelligence is really probably a very dirty business. I'm sure it is. And then, but is it necessary? I mean, if we got enemies overseas that want to find ways to put Syrian gas in the motor station or, 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 or bomb our malls and kill our children, if we got enemies over there that want to hurt us i mean i mean we i mean I, but I, why do they want to hurt us why why do we have enemies over there well that's a good question i guess they I used to love us i don't i'm not smart enough to figure that one out i don't know but, but this, uh, but this it, yeah. it, 
everybody just seems to me like you read. I'm sure that the Russian agents and Chinese agents and even Israeli agents, I mean, real they're, they're over here trying to get out of information. I guess it's one of those dirty games that, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if it's necessary, but if we, got, if we can stop terrorists, if we can stop terrorist attacks, if we can stop another 9-11, if we could save our people at home and those kind of things, I guess it's—is it the it necessary evil? I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But no, you're uh, definitely <laughs> smart enough. I really enjoy this, and I really appreciate this conversation. I'm gonna—I'm gonna let you go, and I'm gonna start um, exploring some of the ideas that this brings up, and this is at the heart of the Assange issue. And you talk about Russian um, agents, Chinese agents maybe Israeli agents and uh, Muslims and all these enemies, right? The people who uh, are operatives even that we have to worry about. And I want to back up and say, if you, you have to really do your research, not on WikiLeaks, but you have to, you have to really cast a broad net because as Binkley was saying earlier, like they, they put bad information out there on purpose. But you have to understand, you have to decide whether you know where this stuff is all coming from. So there's plenty of uh, evidence, reports, narratives that say the Muslim Brotherhood was infiltrated by the British as early as the 30s, that they tried to take Nasser out of Egypt, that they tried to take Assad out of Syria in, in the 80s. And if you look at our behavior over there, we never take out Muslims. We support that the radical... Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia basically maybe even created that. We take out Assad, who's secular, Hussein, who's secular, Nasser, who's secular, Gaddafi, who is secular. Um, we took out the secular socialist government of Afghanistan with Al Qaeda before Russia invaded. You have to you have to dig in a little bit as to what's really going on there. And I had a caller once. I cut him short. I really wish I hadn't because I um, it was very interesting. It was from over there. Older guy, and he said, when the when the when the Middle East was secularizing, which they were, they were they loved the United States, especially under JFK, and at that era, they wanted to see the British colonial era behind them, the other colonial eras behind them, and they wanted to enter the twenty first. 20th century in that way and i and i think if you do your research you'll see that we we encourage like we were behind al-qaeda and we're and the british are probably behind the muslim brotherhood because there are it's not about religion it's about something else it's about probably energy or the military industrial complex or bigger geopolitical issues or world government or whatever so you go over there and you create these problems and then you tell us because of the drug war, which is also a government-created problem. There's no war on drugs. Drugs don't have guns. The, you, you start this piracy, you know, you up the ante. Then you say, well, we need to take care of privacy. And then they say you can't encrypt your own stuff. John McAfee could take care of the privacy issue like he did the viruses, but they won't let him. They say you can't encrypt your stuff, and now we have privacy problems. So they're creating all these problems and then telling us that we need a whole new legal architecture. And I don't think they're doing it to solve the problem they started. I think they started that problem so that they could give us a new system because the system of liberty and rights and protections, the compromise that's in the Bill of Rights, that's in the Constitution, isn't working for them. It's working pretty well for them. I think they really are amassing the money and the power at the top, but they want it all. 
And I think that's where we're going. I have a great glossary term, an expression I coined just for just for today's show. I'm going to tell you after the break, and I'm also open to your calls and rebuttals and contributions. 800-WSB-TALK-404-872-0750. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I'll have to get to my new term after the break. I don't want to lose Dan. I want to hear what Dan has to say. Dan, you are on the air with Monica. What you got? Yeah, Monica, you got a great show, and uh, I like the way you look at things. So I, I don't believe in coincidence. So here are the string of events, and I think maybe this is where you were going, but I can't wait for you to get there. So we got the Mueller thing going on with 40 FBI agents and 19 DOJ lawyers, and they screw around with it for almost two years. And, and then we, in the midst of this, Barr gets uh, 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 appointed and uh, handpicked, if you will, and uh, – so Mueller, Mueller report comes out. It's the it summary says it's all benign. All this stuff, all this dust up, uh, the, the, which was which was inspired by the Obama administration, comes up to nothing. So then he goes to HHS hearing or something. He's with Congress. So Barr's in there. He's talking about the report. And then the next day he drops the other bomb. He goes, you know what? There's been spying, surveillance, if you will, if you like that vernacular. But it, there's been spying, and he doesn't back down, and he stays on it. And the inspector general over in Utah is looking at the same thing, and apparently some report is going to come out. Then what happens next? Assange. Right out of the blue, Ecuador drops its asylum for Assange. He gets picked up. He, he, was, he got his asylum when, uh, in the Obama administration in 12, as I recall. Uh, and, and Manning uh, got uh, – didn't get pardoned, but got uh, – the sentence was commuted. And uh, all this stuff that he has happened during the Obama administration. As you know, when he was bouncing around with the embassies, he was trying to cut a deal with what he had. And he said he would tell people what he had. So I think he's got some stuff on the Obama administration. I think the Obama administration orchestrated the asylum. All right. I got to cut you off, but I get exactly where you're going. And I'll address it after the break. I got a hard break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything she said was true. She knew. Nobody believed her. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. And we are well uh, into this lively discussion about Julian Assange and what it all means. And uh, to the credit of the callers, I've got some great ideas coming through the pipe. And I wanted to, A, I promised, I want to address... Dan's point, Dan was the caller before the break. Uh, Let me address that first. He says that he thinks this is where I was headed, but I just wasn't getting there fast enough for him. But I was not headed there, and I'll tell you why. This is what he said. He said, it's no coincidence that Barr and Assange had these moments in the sun in the same week. I agree with that. But he said that what's going to happen is that as Barr digs into the shenanigans of the Obama administration when he tries to uncover the origin of the Trump uh, investigation, which I, I personally – I mean, I'm curious to know if people really, really want to spend our time and effort. It's not that I care about Barr's money or budget or anything like that, but do we really want – to have smoke and mirrors all day, every day, 24-7, the investigation, season two, uh, role reversal, you know, where Comey's on the hot seat or whatever. Do you really want that? Or do you want to talk about uh, the 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 budget, the national debt, the North American Union 
that William Weld and Heidi Cruz cooked up for the CFR instead of the wall. Do you want to talk about surveillance and censorship, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the stuff that's going away, federalizing our police and our elections? These are the things that are happening. These are the things that they're working towards. And we're going to talk about who who started it. I don't care at all. And it doesn't matter. And it's it's one thing about Trump. I was like, is he seriously adding fuel to this fire? What a waste of time and effort. So uh, so this is what Barr is talking about. And if this is the way we're headed, Dan suggested that Assange has stuff to trade in, that he was willing to trade in, that he said, uh, I read this as well, that he said if Obama pardoned Bradley Manning or Chelsea Manning and let uh, Zhur go immediately, then Assange would give up some information. But Obama didn't do it exactly the way Assange wanted. He commuted the sentence, and and uh, Manning had to spend a few more months in jail. So Assange didn't give anything up. But maybe now Assange is bringing it to bar. Now, these are the kind of Easter eggs that I think are laid for us to – it's like when a bear is in the zoo, they go bananas. That actually can be just – they can't – sometimes they can't even handle it. One of the things that the bear, zookeepers do – if my uh, my children's programming is accurate, is uh, they hide the food for the bears. So the bears have to find the food. They don't even want to eat it or they overeat it or they get mad or they get bored or whatever. They got to hide the food. This this is what I think this trail is, is like Easter eggs that you have to hunt for to keep you occupied, to think that you're finding the truth. Because I don't believe, I think Assange is a CIA asset. So I don't think he has anything to trade. I don't think he has to trade anything. I think it's all a show. But that doesn't mean it is. I mean, that's just what I think. So and and furthermore, I think Dan's spot on in that I believe he did uncover where we're headed in the investigation season two. I think there's going to be a couple of Assange episodes or certainly uh, kind of bonus material that's the assange stuff in the background i do believe that so i appreciate i love the ideas i do and i don't always agree with them but i think it keeps us all thinking and i love that and uh i usually like to be wrong because i think i take the most (laughs) the most hopeless possible viewpoint which is nobody's batman and if you are batman we haven't heard of you because you're in jail somewhere so but I, but I do believe hopelessness is like despair isn't the, one of the unforgivable sins. So I really I uh, cannot do that. So I, I I do not despair. I keep trying, and I want. But I want to tell you a glossary term. I have a glossary on MonicaPereshow dot com, and I just coined a phrase that I'm going to share with you: whistleblower nullification. Now Binkley, my producer here, is uh, I don't want to stump you. But do you think you can guess what I what I mean by whistleblower nullification? You make the whistleblower irrelevant somehow. No, because the term it's a term of art nullification, which is when like I don't believe I'm the only person I ever know, heard of who said this, but I'm sure other people have said it. But I um and maybe I did hear it and I thought it was my idea, but this idea that the Supreme Court decides whether or not Congress's laws are good are constitutional and then we all follow and if we don't follow they have the department of justice and the fbi and everything which were not in the constitution to enforce congressional laws 
I think that the Supreme Court, it's not in the Constitution that they should decide whether congressional laws are legal or not. I think that what was meant and what we should have is that the states nullify congressional laws because the Constitution does not provide for domestic law enforcement mechanism. So the implication is the states have to enforce the laws, and if they don't, the laws are nullified, effectively nullified. There's an expression, jury nullification, where the jury can find that you committed the crime but find that the crime is bad law Mm. and let you go. They're not required to convict you. Even if they find that you did what you were accused of, if they find that the underlying law is unfair. Does that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah, jury nullification does happen. So I like it. I think and, – and I don't know if the judges instruct the juries that they are allowed to do that, but they are allowed to do it. So I propose whistleblower nullification as when a whistleblower – Because people will say what Assange did was illegal or what Manning did was illegal. And I would say if the whistleblower tells information that's illegal, but the law against him telling that information is inherently wrong and he is in a unique position to reveal that, then that should be a defense, in my opinion. And I would say that not only with the laws, but the pretexts so we we don't we haven't declared war. We have no declaration of war against anyone. So what is the what is the national security interest? Well, it's this general all all pervasive don't tell the government is the is the keeper of all information, our information, their information because the whole world is this chronic enemy. That's that's only because we're an empire, you know? That's and this idea of American interest abroad is baloney. There's no, you cannot, if you want to go drill in somebody's land, you follow their laws. And we've got plenty of oil, so you don't have to go invade other countries. So I think they're, uh, that, that, that this should be taken seriously, because otherwise we're defenseless against the opaque information state. Yeah, and they want to globalize the control of that data and information, too. Oh, yeah, there was something that you were... Uh, yeah, I've got something to say about that. Why don't you give me uh, – tell people what you're talking about and I'll – There was a Brookings panel, the Brookings think tank, most powerful or the second most powerful in the world. Yes, or the same day that Assange was arrested that was called the EU-United States Digital Cooperation, a common response to tech challenges. And they they started the thing off by saying the time is now for the United States to work with the EU to become the to, so that they can together shape the global standards, because if they don't, they're ju- you're just going to find yourself in a place of accepting of having global standards put upon you. So it almost came off as kind of a, a threat. You got to act now. And what they want is they want the United States to um, to adopt the General Data Protection Act that the EU has implemented. The thing implemented. that makes it ask you if you accept their cookies and stuff. Yes. All right, so when that first came out, I thought, wow, maybe the EU has some vestiges of uh, protecting the people left in a way that we don't. But I'm so skeptical about that stuff. I just waited to see, and I was like, you know, but another way that this might work is if having those higher standards, whether it's self-regulating or externally regulated, if it becomes the standard, the incumbents, the companies that are already in place that have some staying power, some 
gravity, gravitas, some financing, whatever, they can, they're in a position to, to make that extra investment, to have the privacy concerns. It's just like any regulatory thing. It's like an accounting department, a legal department, all that kind of stuff. And I used to say that about Facebook. So, so I wanted to see if in fact it, it actually deterred competition, kept little guys out, kept entrants out. And I, I, I think it was an article in the Wall Street Journal about it a couple of months later. It's like, oh, unintended consequences. I'm like, mm-hmm. And the same thing with Facebook. You know, if you're the number one, it's what I heard, whether it's true or not, I can't find it anymore. But the, that Marlboro lobbied to have cigarette advertising banned because they were by far the had the greatest market share. And mm. they knew that they they had to spend so much money on marketing just to maintain that, that if they cut off marketing, they would benefit. And I feel like Facebook is the same way. And when I say that, that they want the regulation because it will keep people at bay and it will allow them to continue to abuse their power and there won't be any competition. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I heard Fox Business say, oh, Facebook stock is popping because with regulation comes monopoly. And I was like, what? Or oligopoly, oligopoly. Yeah, they they talk about how these standards, meeting these standards for this policy would cost millions, and you have to continue to pay it because it's ongoing. So it would shut out all the smaller websites, all the smaller companies, and like you talk about a lot, only the already wealthy and powerful ones are going to be able to get by it. Yeah, that's what happens. I want to talk about – just I want to mention also that – they they do two things that keep that make these problems bigger than they would otherwise be. They would not be bad if we had uh, two things that we should have our rights. One is we should be able to encrypt our stuff, but they insist on back doors. So they create the problem and we can't solve it. The private sector, like John McAfee, who solved the virus problem, could solve the privacy problem, but they're not permitted. Then uh Torts and damages. If somebody has uh, uh, attacks you and there's damages, whether it's through free speech or stealing your data or whatever, you have an action against that person or entity. And then the government often comes in and stops that from happening. So there was this big problem. Uh, some really obnoxious people, probably also some kind of CIA front agitators, went to Iraq war funerals of the soldiers and said nasty things about them. There's supposedly an anti-war thing, and one of the fathers sued them for intentional infliction of emotional distress, which is exactly what it was. That's a tort, and he should have gotten damages for it. And the, and the court said, no, that's free speech. My answer is, yeah, the limits on free speech aren't regulatory. They're damages. And then, they're, and then tort, our beautiful common law system, which I love, is is the way that you put those back, that you show where that line is and people pay personally and other people see that squirrel nail to the tree and they don't do that stuff. Yeah. It's like the cry, crying fire in a crowded theater. If you ruin that guy's business, hurt people and all that, you're responsible for it. You don't have to have a law. You can't lie about fire. You are just held responsible. Yeah. Well, they talked about how the... United States, the, the First Amendment was kind of an obstacle to achieving that, and that they uh, needs to be some some stricter regulations. Right, but they but they don't they don't have to be regulations. That's the difference between the common law system and the like the French system. The French system has statutes. The common law system has precedent, so that you don't have to have those preemptive laws. But anyway, I am uh, absolutely dying to talk to Ray, who has a comment about jury nullification. I got to take a break. Just a quick one. 
And then we'll get back to that 800 WSB Talk, 404-872-0750. Hang on, Ray. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Now, there is a president who may have been elected, but the real man in charge lives several miles underground. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. That drop really makes me sound paranoid. I'm not paranoid. I am afraid of actual severe weather, though. So, uh... Just a quick recommendation to download the free WSB radio app and turn on push notifications for instant severe weather alerts from the WSB Storm Center. Now, that is a valuable service right there. I think it's free. You want that. Trust. Uh, And I want to hear what Ray has to say. Ray, you are on with Monica. Monica, don't die. to try to listen to me. Um, Yeah, you're right about the severe weather. And we need to all pay attention to that. It's devastating. That's a lot more home-hitting than this stuff, but but not in the bigger picture. So what you got? Yeah, amen. Uh, jury notification. Uh, you're right on when you said what you said earlier, that uh, juries don't realize the power they have. But a lot of, yeah. persons, a lot of people don't realize that once that's, so many people want to get out of jury duty. If they would understand the law better, they would, they would want to knock down doors and get to be a jury member because they're the ones that can uh, really set things right that needs to be set right because a judge is just like a referee in a, in a ball game, okay? That's all a judge is. He knows the law. He's supposed to tell the jury what the laws are and what they can do. Well, if the jury finds that the district attorney or the defendant is right or wrong or did something, did or did or didn't do something, whether they did a, a tort or whatever or a crime or whatever, then the jury has has a twelve people that can argue it out amongst them and see who prevails. If one or two decide decide not to uh, go along with the majority, then it's a hung jury. But the judge, oh yeah, just a referee, just yeah, a referee, every single individual juror has that power. Now that you mention it, exactly, people don't realize that, and they just they want to see. I didn't even realize. I mean, I realize it, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that. The jury, one of the founders, and I think Winston Churchill also said that the most important thing about uh, the most the most critical safeguard is this jury trial, which is why I no longer, I'm waiting for someone to tell me why I'm wrong here, but I don't believe in plea bargains. I think they're a moral hazard. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that and give you a Lori Lachlan update. Just derail for a sec and then we'll get back on track after the break. This is Monica Perez. Open your mind to me, please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 really digging into the stories of the week in a way that you're just not getting anywhere else. I don't fall for the left-right paradigm, psyop, whatever you want to call it. Not left of center, not right of center. I am deep of center. I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go into that rabbit hole. I'm going to peel back the uh, the layers of what's going on. And I'm also always going to use as a touchstone our rights and protections against a uh, an overreaching government, a pathocratic government, a pathocracy, abnormal 
contrary government. And one thing we were talking about before the break was uh, was the jury trial and how important that is. And for me, the more I think about it, and we were talking about this is important to know, that a jury can nullify. One person on a jury can say that person did what he's accused of, and this is the law, but the law is wrong. And they can not vote to convict that a single person can change things uh, on a jury. And I, I believe that's a great reason to insist on the jury trial. But uh, but as an individual, I don't I'm I just I think this is what I think. This is where I'm concluding is that plea bargains are no good. They're a moral hazard through which the government coerces you to waive your constitutional rights. So uh, I really started to think about this with the Tommy Chong case where his son was absolutely without question entrapped into doing something wrong. And Tommy Chong. So the government in their complaint against him, said that he mocks law enforcement in his movies, his Cheech and Chong movies. He wasn't accused of doing anything wrong, but his wife and son were threatened with something like 99 years in jail for selling bongs across state lines, which they did not mean to do. you got to see AKA Tommy Chong, the documentary. It's amazing. And so Tommy Chong went to jail for something he wasn't even accused of because of the threat to his wife and child that they would go to jail. And then I realized that that's what they do. They threaten you with these insane penalties. Look up Ross Ulbricht serving a double life sentence plus 40 years with no chance of parole for running a neutral website, a platform, a neutral platform. Look into his case and the malfeasance the government perpetrated against him in order to get that conviction. But but my point is Lori Loughlin She's caught up in this college admission scandal. So when we covered that, I'm here with my producer, Binkley, and he came to the same conclusion. When we covered that, all I did was read the FBI's like couple hundred page indictment, no, affidavit, and I, I found nothing on her. As a matter of fact, some things on her that made it sound like she was conned, that they gave $500,000 to this guy's foundation, and it was tax exempt. Did you, Binkley, find anything that you found to be uh, a smoking gun on her? It looked to me like she might have been entrapped. The smoking gun for me is that this her daughter could have probably gotten a full scholarship through the film department because she was already a successful filmmaker through YouTube and at th- USC and they lived in yeah. LA. I mean, it's just hard to believe that people are like, but but she had pictures on an urn. And my argument is, I actually road crew at, on. I mean, not like I, I was no star, but my coach was a star, and she she was the Olympic coach in Seoul. And the Harvard coach of, of the team, and she would recruit coxswains from the skinny girls who never were in a boat before. You just had to be yeah. smart. You had to have a loud voice, presence, and you had to be weightless, basically. You and could not she fits down. those categories. So right. she would so be a good candidate. So putting her on an erg, it would just show you how big she was. Like they they manipulated the public because of people don't know much about that sport. I didn't until I looked it up. I was like, wait a minute. I don't know of any high school rowing teams. Yeah. And I, she I, wasn't a rower. She's, t- she's tiny. Yeah. She was not a rower. Rower is six feet tall. They would have recruited her also if she was a rower, because it's really not that popular sport. And they had to teach her. I walked on to the Harvard rowing. Yeah. Team, they need to fill and the I teams. was terrible, but they kept, they let me stay. So, uh, so I wasn't buying this. I really, you know, I have to look into other people are entering the story here. Other people are pleading guilty and getting off with light sentences. I, I, I should continue to dig into the story. But what caught my eye this week is that Felicity Huffman and 
12, 13, 14 other parents pled guilty, got whatever. After they did, I said, I knew Lori Loughlin wouldn't because her story, and I believe, so a couple of people got caught up in it but weren't charged. Phil Mickelson, Joe Montana. So some people were on the level and some people weren't. And after you, Binkley, told me that Lori Loughlin was uh, a conservative or religious or both, then I said, maybe they're, you know, and then I looked into her and she seemed like a, a sincere uh person of morals so i thought this is weird that she would do this that's why i focused on her case and found i didn't think she did anything wrong and i hoped that she would fight so she decided not to plead so they went banana they threw the book at her they're threatening her they're charging her with money laundering now they're threatening her with 40 years in prison why because they i actually wonder if this whole scam started with the government that it actually is for i believe that they're going to push some agenda with it but I wonder now if they were in, in it way before they've told us they are, and they included her because, oh, it's it's she was in the net, and they were like, oh, let's get her, you know? But that they count on not being scrutinized, not having this thing torn brick by brick away, uh, because it's a, it's a funny thing anyway. I mean, bribery 40 years, who, who, who was damaged? They gave the money. The money got to the school. It's a tough one, but she is going to be deterred. And now they're, like, her daughter's coming out crying, Mommy, Mommy, please. You know, so it's just, to me, uh, I, I, this fits with my interpretation of what was happening to her. And I, I'm curious. I, I'll keep updating you as the story unfolds. Well, her, her daughter's roommate probably suffered the most consequence for this because she was probably going to become a U- YouTube star by proxy, and then she got her celebrity roommate taken away. Uh, yes, because it's a true loss to USC. That's yeah, the thing. It it's is. a loss to USC to lose this girl who was bringing notoriety and everything. She made fun of the school a little bit, though. They should have just told her not to. <laughs> I, I've worked in film, and her skill set is a very valuable one for that school. She could get a full ride there. I guarantee it. Yeah, because it's because she's the modern – she's cutting-edge media. She's cracking the code on on new media. So – so I found that interesting. Uh, yeah, and then another time, you know, I don't want to get into the other ancillary stories, but um, we'll keep up on that. I absolutely, I would be wrong not to play for you some of the clips that I wanted to, because um, I want to, I want to tell you what I think the bar, the bar hearing was about. So I'm going to kind of go through the clips quickly, and uh, I might not have, it might be too quick, but this show is uploaded. To thepropreport.com, like Propaganda Report, The Prop Report, on Wednesdays, commercial-free, and it's and then the podcast Binkley and I do, called The Propaganda Report, is uploaded on Thursdays, commercial-free. So if you, if you want to hear the stuff, but I will try to make it decipherable. Let me, let me start with... This is, these are the bar clips. I'm going to start... With clip one. So, Rachel, will you please play clip one? This is Bill Barr. For the same reason we're worried about foreign uh, influence in elections, we want to make sure that uh, during an election, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, generation I grew up in, which was the Vietnam War uh, period, you know, people were all concerned about spying on uh, sure. anti-war people and so forth by the government. 
and there were a lot of rules put in place to make sure that there's an adequate basis before before our law enforcement agencies get involved in poli- you know, political uh, surveillance. I'm not suggesting that uh, those rules were violated, but I think it's important to look at that. And I'm not just I'm not talking about the FBI uh, necessarily, but intelligence agencies more broadly. So who watches the watchers? Bill Barr, Daddy <laughs> Bill Barr. He is my hero. Thank goodness he's on the job. Because that's fine. That's a big deal. Not a patriot. I'm not standing for it. I did Ruby Ridge. I mean, I'm not I just I'm not standing for that. He's changed his ways, maybe. Oh, really? He's not pardoning Iran Contra criminals anymore? Oh, right, because Elliot Abrams is uh, on the job in Venezuela, so I guess that rehabilitation worked. Yeah. yeah. Nobody abuses power but him. I mean, maybe that's how it is. Well, it's Bill Barr exceptionalism. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but just to to put a finer point on it, let's, I mean, I'm saying the guys, he's there to make us think that there is somebody on the job. Don't you worry. If we flip from Republican to Democrat every eight years, all those rats will be flushed out. Now, don't worry about shining a light. Don't worry about that. We're going to get rid of leakers and whistleblowers and Julian Assange and all that. Don't worry about that because I'm the light. I'm, I'll let you know if you need to know. And I'm even going to get Comey. I'm even going to get Comey. You thought they were going to get Trump. I'm going to get Comey. And then they can get me next time. <laughs> so I'm going to get myself after that. I'm going to get myself. Exactly. Right. That's who he is. That's, that, that is definitely the guy. And it's so funny because his backstory is, ugh, makes me want to take a shower. And he's, the, he's our, our hero, like Comey and Mueller. Like, these guys are deep state all the way. And uh, so I, I think I have time to play clip two just to put a fine point on it. Sorry, Rachel, I was supposed to tell you. You're not suggesting, though, that spying occurred. I don't. Uh, well, uh, I guess you could. I, I think there was a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. Well, let me. But the uh, question is whether it was predicated, adequately predicated. And I'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated, but I'd need to explore that. I think it's my obligation. Congress is usually very concerned about intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies staying in their proper lane. And I want to make sure that happened. We have a lot of rules about that. Oh, yeah. It's just, I'm just here to verify that there's nothing to worry about. Nothing to see. I normally, normally, you guys are on the job. Congress but he says a lot of rules about that, and we both. Yeah, he said in both things, rules, rules, rules. So that's the thing with Assange too. It's like, well, what could we do? Yeah. He was, he was in. You know, that you got to follow the rules. It's like, okay, ask Ross Albrecht if you follow the rules. Uh, there's so much more of this to flesh out. So stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. How can you close me up? On what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) This is Monica Perez. If you don't recognize that great scene from Casablanca, it reminded me, so Claude Rains comes in and he's hamming it up for the Nazis, I guess, or whoever he was with. The authorities... It's like, I'm shocked there's gambling here. Meanwhile, he's in there every night, and they pay him off that way. They give him the he always wins. He wins every night. So just like between Barr and the next clip I'm going to play for you, and the 
Are you are you suggesting that the United States government engages in spying? I'm shocked, shocked to find that <laughs> spying is going on in this establishment. So yeah, I just couldn't couldn't help but take that. They're good. Barr is a good actor. I'll give him that. I don't think Brennan is as good an actor as Barr, but here is nonetheless the inimitable John Brennan in clip four. Rachel, could you please play us clip four? I was very disappointed in what Attorney General Barr said today about spying when he was referring to the investigation that was predicated, certainly, and that the FBI was trying to understand exactly what the Russians were doing. U.S. intelligence agencies were spy against foreign adversaries so that we can understand the threat to our national security. But for the Attorney General to imply or to say that there was spying domestically, he knows the language very well, and he knows the terminology, and he knows what it connotes, which is an extra-legal yeah. activity taking place when, in fact, the FBI and CIA and others were trying to understand just what the Russians were doing. And we know now it is incontrovertible that the Russians were trying to influence the outcome of the 2016 election. All right, he triggered me. Ugh. Okay. Triggered. So... I have no time. We're going to play that again, and I'm going to tell you why I'm so triggered. He is insufferable. Well, i got to take a break. Uh, This is Monica Perez. I'll be back and tell you why we think he is insufferable after the break. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice on WSB, and uh, I'm going to play – I want to play that – clip four again it was john brennan responding to Barr. it's i think it's worth listening to one more time i'll give you my thoughts on it and then there's a couple of really fascinating clips from judge napolitano and a clip that absolutely calls bs is proof positive these guys are full of it or at least they're running uh, a con on us. So let me just hear clip four again, please, Rachel, if you don't mind. I was very disappointed in what Attorney General Barr said today about spying when he was referring to the investigation that was predicated, certainly, and that the FBI was trying to understand exactly what the Russians were doing. U.S. intelligence agencies were spy against foreign adversaries so that we can understand the threat to our national security. But for the attorney general to imply or to say that there was spying domestically, he knows the language very well, and he knows the terminology, and he knows what it connotes, which is an extra-legal activity taking place when, in fact, the FBI and CIA and others were trying to understand just what the Russians were doing. And we know now it is incontrovertible that the Russians were trying to influence the outcome of the 2016 election. I can't. I'm so... (laughs) I got triggered like it three times, so I kept forgetting like the first thing that made me mad about that. First of all, he's actually being semantical. He's like, don't call it spying. It's outrageous that he would call it spying. We're listening to what they're saying, but it's not spying because we have a good reason. <laughs> it's like, okay, that doesn't count. You want to chime in, Binkley, before I get to my next Yeah, He point? also used the word extra legal, and he, he emphasized it too. Which I thought was interesting. The definition of extra legal is something not governed by laws or not within the scope of the law. When someone does something wrong to you that is mean but not illegal, this is an example of an extra legal situation where your remedies to right the wrong are not governed by the law. He chose that instead of using the word illegal. Right. He's definitely being semantic. Uh, he also said that the Russian thing was incontrovertible. Yes. Give me which a break. <laughs> we know it's. 
controvertible because we're having a controversy over it. And he's implying that he got incontrovertible evidence from whatever it is that they listened to. When where does this evidence supposedly come from? The the hacked email server, right? I can't. I'm not getting into that, but it's I'm just, just saying yeah. we all know it's not incontrovertible because we're having massive controversy about it. That's going to last for another year, so it's not incontrovertible. And um, and on the break, I looked into his background. I want to see where he was, like in 1995 or whenever it was that Ruby Ridge happened, because that's you know where that's where Bill Barr was at the helm. <laughs> and I started reading this Bill Brand the. John Brennan stuff, and I don't think I'm going to make fun of him anymore because he scares me. So you might want to look at his wiki page. Just like, you know what? This guy is, I don't know why he's like on TV. He should, I'm surprised that he's the face of it all. He's terrible. I don't know, but he scares me. So, uh, but here's the thing is that these, they're acting like we don't spy. I want to play for you a clip that in a way it has no content. It's all, the form is all about this it's the this is proof positive that they they spy all the time this is dennis kucinich as the congressman it's uh it's gonna be clip five but it's dennis kucinich as a congressman who later said that he has no idea where this recording came from now this is around the time that we were Hillary was was not taking calls from Gaddafi and because uh, Gaddafi was trying to get to Hillary and say, hey, I'm going to step down. I, I just want an orderly transition. Otherwise, Libya will devolve into anarchy. And I don't want that. And she's like, mm, not taking that call. So and then she cackled. We came. We saw he died. And she started laughing like that's just sick stuff. Anyway, so Kucinich is trying to get uh, get the background on here so saif al-qaddafi called kucinich and that's one of qaddafi's sons so what's interesting is that yes they 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 probably were listening because it's like foreign but how did they know think listen to how early this clip starts every single phone line in kucinich's office is tapped he did not know that and how did they know? I mean, they're they're not just tapping the ones that they know by the end are going to be relevant. They're tapping them all, right? So let's listen. You tell me if you agree. It's clip five. Good morning, Congressman Kucinich's office. Hello. Hello. May I speak to Amy, please? Sure. Can I let her know who's calling? Uh, Mohammed Ismail, on behalf of Civil Islam Gaddafi. Sure. One sec. Congressman Kucinich's office. How may I help? Hello, may I speak to Amy, please? Yes, this is Amy. Uh, my name is Mohammed Ismail. I'm calling on behalf of Civil Islam Gaddafi. Okay, I, I'll transfer your call into the congressman. Hold on just one second, please. Hello? Hello? Yes. yes. May I speak to Congressman Kucinich? Uh, this is he. Okay, I'll pass uh, Civil Islam Gaddafi. Hello? Hello? I'll pass Mr. Civil Islam Gaddafi to speak to you. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, sir. Hi, safe speaking. Yes, uh, this is uh, uh, Dennis. Uh, nice to hear you. Uh, and um, I, I think uh, it's important that we talk because I'm trying to get information uh, that I need to uh, advise uh, uh, members here what exactly what's going on 
and to make sure that any information that is being uh, communicated uh, through other channels uh, here uh, uh, in, you know, and the government actually gets to members of Congress as well so that we are uh, totally aware of what the position is of, of the uh, Libyan government. And I, I'm, I appreciate the chance to uh, uh, be able to uh, speak to you in that light so that the information can be obtained. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for your help and your support. So that this guy, boy, I can't believe he's still alive. He's trying to rescue Libya from the jaws of um, conflict, which we – Libya was in the news again this year, Saudi Arabia – this week, Saudi Arabia and the West – Broadly speaking, France is leading the charge. I guess we're leading from behind. It is trying to get a strong man to take out the UN-recognized government in Tripoli. But Saif, I think maybe he will run again or whatever. I can't believe he's alive. He was arrested. You should hear the rest of that tape. Whoa. I've played it before. Uh, maybe let's tweet it. Binkley, do you have that? Maybe we'll tweet it, or I can tweet it after the show. But my point is, I mean, that thing always, that, talk about making your blood run cold. Uh, my point is, you could tell from that it wasn't it wasn't on Gaddafi's end because the static was coming. Like I I don't I think if the tap were on Gaddafi's end, the static would be not on his end. You know what I mean? If it was on his phone, the static would be when we were talking to him, right? I mean the 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 delay and all that, or whatever. So it seems to me very clear that that and I don't know. This leads to what Judge Napolitano said a couple of years ago about this actual thing, about this investigation. And and in the light of the Kucinich tape, it is interesting, I think, to hear what's really going on. So let's do – which one was it? Yeah, let's do, if you wouldn't mind, clip seven, Judge Napolitano. Rachel. Surveillance of any person in the United States of America without suspicion, without probable cause, and without a warrant, meaning he doesn't have to go to yeah. a court to do it. So he can order the NSA, which already has the digital version of our phone calls, to, to transcribe the digital version into a transcript and give it to him. But if he does that, there's a record of the order. Right. So three intelligence sources have informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA. He didn't use the CIA. He didn't use the FBI. And he didn't use the Department of Justice. He used GCHQ. What the heck is GCHQ? That's the initials for the British spying agency. They have 24-7 access to the NSA database. So by simply having two people go to them saying, President Obama needs transcripts of conversations involving candidate Trump, conversations involving President-elect Trump, he's able to get it. And there's no American fingerprints on this. Siri just threw in there that they have all of our recording, yeah. all of our phone calls digitized, and they just need to transcribe them, and that Obama <laughs> has the power. I mean, that's it was like, what? I mean, what? And then that that the uh, certainly England and I believe all of the echelon, the five eyes countries have the access to each other's thing. This is why I'm nervous that we just ask each other to do our dirty work. And it, it's outside these laws of domestic versus foreign. I don't really like drawing those lines, domestic versus foreign. It should be. 
do you have a a good reason, not just any reason, not just they're foreign. I don't like it. And I, I even think the second half of that Judge Napolitano clip is worth playing. If um, Rachel, if you wouldn't mind playing clip eight. Who are they? They are oh, Finland- sorry, no, no, no. Clip eight, not 18. Sorry. So you're saying that the British use their version of the CIA to wiretap Donald Trump's uh, phone or well, it's, it's it's not a wiretap. The concept of plugging a wire into into a phone box in the basement of a building is what the law was when these statutes were written in 1978. Everything is done electronically now via computer. The NSA has 24-7, 365 access to every mainframe computer of every telecom and every computer service provider that does business in the United States. And they share that with various intelligence agencies, including the Brits. So the British intelligence agency had this. What happened to the guy who ordered this? resigned three days after Donald Trump was inaugurated. So they just throw this stuff in there like we're not supposed to be like, what? Um, So there you have it. (laughs) That's extraordinary. Yeah, uh, it's. It it is. It's just uh, I'm speechless because first of all, I want to hat tip to Ricky Bobby for sending that to me. That's a couple of years old, and I just didn't realize the implications of it in the stuff he was saying about uh, just constant surveillance all the time. And these guys aren't really denying it. Brennan didn't really deny it. Barr isn't really denying it. Yeah, it's just assumed to be the normal way of things. And they're saying that it's okay, it's not really spying. But what what you have to understand is what Napolitano is saying and what Kucinich shows in that clip is that they're collecting all the data. So it's completely in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment says they're not supposed to start spying on you without a reason. And they've done this other thing. It's called something. I forget what it's called. But they they collect all the data and they say, we only need a warrant to go back and listen to it. But that gives them the right to your data as if the default situation is the right or the like. it's like the cameras everywhere. The default is that they get to collect the data. If that's true, I would say the default needs to be that it's all live streaming, public, access, accessible, like Wikipedia of everything. Everybody's phone calls, right? Because if if they can be trusted with it to not violate our rights, we're the one who empower them for, with everything. We're paying for it. So we should have the same. You can't trust them and not us. It's our data. We're If, if this is truly not private data, if this is truly not covered by the Fourth Amendment, then everyone should have had the right to it. It's not a government right. The government has to push for a right. So we'll wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. This is the future. We're all a phase of guns. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, I wanted to, I try to do a Quora question of the week, either on this show or on the podcast. You can get the Monica Perez Show and the Propaganda Report podcast I do with Binkley on the Prop Report. This show comes out Wednesday and the podcast comes out Thursday. Last week on this show, I got a troll saying Fox is ridiculous and CNN is real. And I was like, they're both ridiculous. And then in my email, in my mailbox, I mean, this happens. Like, it might not be a pervasive meme. It might just be targeted to me. Quora is weird like that. I get, this is the question. Shows up in my email. 
what is the left-wing version of Fox News? And then the answer, which is upvoted but not necessarily true, is there is no left-wing version of Fox News. Which is, <laughs> And then they show this, like, world of where 99% of all the hits are at clearly left-wing news and, like, there's little Fox News in the corner and Breitbart. And it's like, see, like, everybody else is just center. so you can find that article on my web my twitter at monica perez show um that is what else we'll be we're doing regular three to six from now on on saturdays and and yes go to the prop report.com for our audio you can subscribe you can contribute and but what i really would love uh is to share if you like the show Share it. And what do you got, Binkley? you have any parting words? You have 10 yeah. seconds. Tell somebody that Monica can short circuit about the show. <laughs> oh, when somebody calls? Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's worth listening for. I think I did that last week, so look for that. Thank you very much. This is Monica Perez. <laughs>